Blue Wire. This is the Lottery Podcast on Blue Wire Network. I'm John Wasserman, lead NBA draft writer for Bleach Report. The NBA debuted last night. A couple of good games, starting with the Raptors Pelicans. Zion out six to eight weeks. By the way, that really sucks. That's not just like, you know, uh, being cautious. I guarantee you six to eight weeks with the meniscus injury is going to be eight weeks. Then who knows how long it's going to take the Pelicans to actually um, allow him to play full-time minutes on a regular basis. I mean, I'm, I'm worried that this rookie season is going to be a wash. Uh, I'm sure he'll make his appearances, but they're going to be so cautious with him. The way every other team who's had a number one pick, you know, get hurt during preseason, they're always so cautious. Um, and it's just 19 years old. They're not going to risk anything. So I'm nervous about Zion's rookie year. Um, and uh, on the other hand, I thought Lonzo looked pretty good. Um, he looks a little more confident, both in terms of um, his, his skill and decision-making. Um on the other side, Toronto, Pascal Siakam, 34-18-5. I mean, I think he's an obvious all-star this year. And uh, coming off that max extension, he is the future. He is a number one potential option for a good team. Uh, I love his trajectory. I love his development. Even watching him you know, at New Mexico State to see where he is now, it's amazing how much better he's gotten. And then Van Vliet, who is going to be a free agent this upcoming summer, his stock is well, obviously on the rise after last year's NBA Finals. But I know we talk about the 2020 free agent class looking weak, and it really is. But Van Vliet gives it a nice little jolt. I know that's setting the bar a tad low. But, man, he's a he's another guy who just keeps getting better. And going back to his days at Wichita State, you know, figured he'd be like a toughness specialist in the NBA. Well, he packs a little more scoring firepower, playing some two-guard next to Lowry. Went for 30 um, in his debut last night. So... Um, a lot to be excited about there. Despite Kawhi's departure to L.A., nice little segue. He looked incredible last night, going for 30 against the Lakers, who looked like the inferior team. I don't want to make any you know big-time conclusions after one game, but uh, the Clippers look like they have an edge right now in terms of who's the better team and who uh, whose team you'd rather root for. You know, if you had to place a bet to win the net to, to win the NBA Finals. Um, Kawhi just looks like on another level, and then you're going to get Paul George back. And with the Lakers, you know, uh, listen, LeBron is so special as a passer, but does he have that scoring firepower back? You know, can he be a, a guy in the 17th season who gives you 25 to 30 every single night? Uh, and I think they're going to need it because their depth is questionable. Anyway, I want to spend this episode talking 2020 mock draft, my newest mock draft and, and only preseason mock draft. Uh, is up right now as of Wednesday, October 23rd. Um, So take a look at it. Let's do an audible version. I want to go through each of my top 30 picks, uh, break them down, maybe mention a few guys at the end who were in consideration for this preseason first-round mock, um, who didn't get the nod, who really, again, the difference right now between the number 25 guy and even the number 40 guy is minimal. So if your guy didn't make this cut, you know, don't, don't be up in arms. You could easily, this could easily change two weeks into the season. My mock draft uh, before the first game of college basketball last year had R.J. Barrett at number one. After one game, Zion was number one. It was just that obvious. So things are going to change fast. But let's go through what's going through my mind and, and you know, having talked to some people around the NBA who I think um, should start top 30 on our mock draft boards. Uh, before we begin, I want to mention Sports Axios. Check them out um, for daily newsletters, and we'll get back to them a little bit 
later in the show. But let's start off with the number one overall projected pick, and I used Las Vegas win total odds. Uh, Vegas Caesars Palace projecting how many games each team will win, and using those projections, I made the draft order. So you know, don't give me why you know why the the Charlotte Hornets supposed to pick number one. They they may not have the worst record. Well, that Vegas thinks that the Charlotte Hornets are going to have the worst record. So they start with the number one pick in our 2020 mock draft. And I have the Hornets taking Cole Anthony, freshman point guard at North Carolina. Um, why? A, I think he's in the conversation for easily the best prospect in this year's class, 6'3". He's probably considered an above-average athlete. Not probably. He's an above-average athlete. Um, and just in terms of his skill, it's just high enough to the point where I know he's going to produce. And he's going to have the numbers to back up the potential and teams this year are just going to you know, view Cole Anthony as the safest number one overall pick, kind of like a Kyrie Irving type. Now, uh, I'm not the high, you know, he's, he would not be my preferred number one overall, but this year there's just a lack of standout options, I think, in this number one overall conversation. And listen, we said that kind of last year. We didn't know what Zion was going to be. So this conversation could change. But as of right now, nobody really pops as an obvious number one. I'd probably grade Cole Anthony as a as a top three guy, not like a number one overall talent. But in this draft, you know, you take what you can get. And so I think um, as much as Ho- the, the Hornets probably like Terry Rozier, I think they're going to realize uh, pretty quickly that they'd rather have Rozier in a different role, not as your lead decision maker. And Cole Anthony's got some work to do on his decision making as well. But I don't think at 19 years old, um, North Carolina, uh, Charlotte is going to hold it too much against Cole Anthony, if he has a lot of turnovers and takes some bad shots throughout the year, I think he's going to put up big numbers, points, assists, uh, and he's going to have the most impact on a team that's probably going to win games. I've seen Cole Anthony quite a bit, both on tape and in person, and you know he just passes the eye test. He just looks like an NBA guard. Obviously, his father is Greg Anthony. Um, the genes make him a little more believable in terms of his NBA potential. But overall, I think he offers kind of the, the best ratio of high floor, high ceiling, where you could feel safe about him, but also confident that he's got star upside in there. I think Anthony ends up having the edge over Anthony Edwards, who I have at number two right now. And honestly, if you said Anthony Edwards was the best prospect in the country, I'd give you a nod. Uh, it's 1A and, and 1B to me at this point. Um, but I think that because of Cole Anthony going to be winning games and impacting games in North Carolina, where... Anthony Edwards is probably going to go through a lot of losses, um, a lot of question marks about can he make teammates better. Uh, I think those questions kind of make the eventual lottery winner favor Cole Anthony at number one. And, and anyway, some team will be feel like they got a steal with Anthony Edwards at two. Based on uh, Vegas, the number two projected team will be the Cleveland Cavaliers, who I know they already have Darius Garland and Colin Sexton, but this early teams are not going to take um, fit and position into consideration. The Cavaliers just need a talent, and I got a feeling by uh, the end of this year they're going to have some questions about whether a Colin Sexton, um, Darius Garland backcourt can be a good starting backcourt uh, with enough playmaking and defense. I say that Cleveland would just end up saying George's Anthony Edwards is the best player available, and we can't afford to pass on the best player available. We'll worry about fit later on in the process. I watched Anthony Edwards' um, exhibition game, and uh, it was a, against a D3 school, and uh, he looked like a pro among boys. 
um, fancy shot creation moves around the perimeter, step backs, pull-ups, um, getting himself open off the ball for a nice three-point make. Uh, it was a real showcase of shot creation and shot making for a 6'5", 225-pound guard who flies above the rim. Um, and so it was a, a real promising start. On the other hand, there were, you know, he did make mistakes defensively. He's got to be a little bit more alert. He's got to play with a better sense of urgency. At one point, he took a, like a 30-foot three that clanked off the side of the backboard. He's going to make those mistakes that make you question his basketball IQ and awareness. But again, in this draft, talent is going to rise to the top. And uh, I think it's going to be so obvious by the end of the year that he's a top three talent, if not the number one overall talent in this draft. At number three overall, I have the Memphis Grizzlies taking LaMelo Ball who is, uh, he's in a bit of a shooting slump in Australia, but, uh, man, he keeps racking up highlights, particularly as a creator, as a passer. I mean, that's what just really pops with LaMelo Ball. His change of direction and speed off the dribble, his ability to dish with both hands. I'm sure you've seen the highlight recently of him going behind the back off the dribble, then behind the back to Josh Boone for the dunk. Um, you know, he's just not making shots right now. And when he eventually does start making shots, he's, we're probably going to have the conversation, is LaMelo Ball the best prospect in this year's draft? Um, I, I'm not ready to go there just yet. He is averaging like 13.7 boards and 5 assists um, at 18 years old against pros. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, he just looks he looks good as a finisher. His jump shot's not falling. And I think there's enough. You should question it a little bit. He's got that low release like from his chest. And this like flinging motion, which makes the ball go high and stick in the air for a long time. And, and some of his misses uh, can be way off. And we don't really see much of a pull-up game. He's got to improve that. You know, he goes off the dribble and, you know, his first instinct is to toss up a floater, even in isolation moves. You know, you don't typically see guards want to go to their floater. It's, it's a low percentage shot. He's got to develop a step back, um, a, a, a pull-up that's not just like a 30-foot off a hezzy dribble pull-up. Um, he's got to get like uh, a Kyrie Irving, you know, middle game going, uh, I think, to take his scoring to the next level. But either way, he's so young and clearly so skilled um, and showing a real good sense of maturity, pretty much playing the right way, playing within the offense, not trying to be too flashy. Occasionally, he gets the urge to, to take one of those 30-foot, you know, hezzy jumpers, um, because I think that's really, he sees an open shot from out there and the shot that he's confident he can hit, but just not at a, a good enough rate at this point in his career. Either way, 6-7, I think he plays on and off the ball. Put him in Memphis next to John Morant. I mean, how about that backcourt? LaMelo Ball and John Morant, I think LaMelo can play off the ball a little bit. So uh, I think that is a, a fun backcourt to think about. And um, I think at this point, LaMelo is a top five lock in this draft. We'll see where he winds up going. Number four, I have the New York Knicks um, taking James Wiseman. And I think they take James Wiseman from Memphis because he'll establish himself as the best player available. The Knicks typically tend to, I think they overlook stats um, in the draft. They, they kind of base, they, they draft based on potential, even dating back to high school days. You know, you could say that um, about about R.J. Barrett, there were a lot of questions about his NBA fit, but his, his profile, just thinking about the high school, was so strong that I think that they're going to say, eh, I'm not worried about his inefficiency at Duke. I've seen what he could do. Same thing with Kevin Knox. Um, uh, pretty inefficient, pretty inconsistent at Kentucky, but he was so young. They'd seen what he could do going up to his days 
at Kentucky. Uh, same thing with Frank Nilakina, who barely produced uh, during for Strasbourg his last year in France, but he'd been uh, you know on the scouting radar for years coming into that year. So I think James Wiseman. I think some questions are going to pop up about his defensive awareness, about his offensive fit. He tends to like to show off around the perimeter. He's not that good out there. Um, you know, how efficient is he going to be? How impactful is he going to be at both ends of the floor? I'm sure he's going to wind up shooting a good percentage. We're going to see easy dunks. Uh, but how often is he going to be able to execute, you know, his specialty moves, his fallaways from the post, his three-point ball, his ability to put the ball on the floor, and, and how good is his awareness going to be switching and, and picking rolls? I think these are the question marks that are going to, po- going to pop up. But like Anthony Edwards, I think they're going to look at Wiseman and just say, he's too talented, 7-1, 240, uh, one of the best athletes in the draft. It has a skill set in place that he just has to get better at executing, you know, with the post moves, uh, with the outside touch, um, with, with the, the ability to, to use the dribble and, and attack facing up or handle it in transition. And, and the shot blocking defensively, uh, he's just got to, you know, improve his decent defensive discipline. So I think they'll take their chances, the Knicks, if, if it does come down to Wiseman and who else is left on the board. Um, so that's where I have Wiseman going right now, slipping from number one overall, which is some mocks out there, uh, including ESPN, have him. Uh, I have him at number four, and uh, we'll see what happens with Wiseman at Memphis. At number five, I have the Phoenix Suns taking Denny Adia, um, the Israeli combo forward, who not really doing much in your league, not getting an opportunity. Um, he's getting more minutes in the Israeli league, but... Uh, but again, this is another guy whose scouts have seen a lot heading into this year. Even though um, he's a, a teenager, he was the MVP of the U20 European Championships. Um, I think he's a, a pretty well-defined prospect. We know what he is. Um, six eight can create his own shot as a pull-up scorer, as a driver, um, can shoot off the ball. However, somebody who prefers it in his hands and is... Uh, much more dangerous with the ball in his hands, not just as a scorer, but as a facilitator. He's always been a high assist guy, a playmaking wing. And defensively, even this year, I've been paying close attention to his defense, and um, he's making some quick reactions. And, uh, you know, no def- no teenager has, you know, a- amazing defensive IQ, really, that's pretty rare. So I'm, I'm going to bet on his ability to improve his defensive IQ, and I'm going to bet and bank um, and value his physical tools and ability to move and make those plays just using his natural ability and eventually his defensive IQ will uh, catch up. So I like him um, playing a a combo forward role uh, for the Phoenix Suns and and maybe eventually replacing Dario Saric there um, at that four spot. At number six is kind of where I see a gap and I wasn't really sure where to go. I have a low confidence in, in who my next guy is. The Washington Wizards are projected to pick at number six as of right now. And Isaiah Stewart is from Washington. Freshman is who I have slotted to Washington. Actually, you know what? I didn't even realize. I didn't even do that purposely. Uh, playing at Washington and going to the Wizards, that was complete coincidence. I don't think that I had some, uh, you know, I was trying to match them up or anything. Um, I just, I think he might stand out as, as a really high floor guy, kind of the way Wendell Carter Jr. did where you could just see that his physical tools, I mean, he's uh, 6'10", 250, toned, um, powerful. You just know that this guy is not going to have questions with the NBA physicality. And that suggests that he's got a high floor. Plus, I think he's got a high motor around the basket. He's going to get you easy hoops, uh, lay-ins, dunks, offensive rebounds. And the reason why I have him going this high is because I think he's going to flash shooting touch that 
you know, maybe some people question at this stage. Uh, so I, I think he's kind of like a Wendell Carter Jr., maybe not as versatile um, as Carter Jr. is with his lateral movement. Um, but I think at, at the end of the day, he's a, a low post guy, an inside presence, who I think eventually can stretch it out and make jump shots. And Washington can certainly use another big guy, although I like what Thomas Bryant's doing there. I think they actually got a good find with him. But either way, it's just a, a lack of other options and Isaiah Stewart being a safe pick is, is the reason behind uh, me putting him at number six to the Wizards. At number seven, I think this is a, a pick who many would say would be a surprise this early, but I have the Chicago Bulls who seem to always have the seventh pick. That's who Vegas has them has uh, finishing as the seventh worth re- worst record. And I have Jeremiah Robinson Earl from Villanova, power forward, freshman. Just uh, another guy I've seen a lot, both in person and on tape playing at IMG. Uh, very skilled, you know, not the most explosive guy, but I think he's going to win people over with his polish, his basketball IQ, good footwork down low, good instincts on the offensive glass, has really promising touch in the mid-range, and eventually I think we'll see it extend out to the arc. Just a just a, a safe pick, a guy who looks like a pro based on his intelligence and skill level and his body, 6'9", 230, I think teams are just going to see a pro. And again, I think in this draft, which is considered weaker, we are going to value high floors over guys who have a lot of potential, but not much um, substance to kind of back it up. So I have uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl going seven to the Bulls. Of course, for Chicago, they have kind of players at every position. So they're just in a best player available situation in this draft. And number eight, Oklahoma City Thunder. I know that they just... um, Traded for Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Chris Paul is still there. Obviously, Paul's long-term future probably isn't in OKC. And um, I think Shea can kind of play the one and two. I have him taking Nico Mannion, point guard from Arizona. I think, again, he kind of stands out to me as the best player available. And uh, Shea, honestly, maybe better as a secondary playmaker from that two spot. I don't think Shea's ever going to be a, a high assist guy. He doesn't have that blow-by speed, that breakdown ability to get into the paint and, and kick it out for, you know, constant setup opportunities. He obviously makes good passes, but he might be better off at the two. Um, and then you throw Nico Mannion in there, who is a really, really well-rounded point guard. Uh, balances scoring with passing. Um, and uh, 6'3", you know, he's not an ex- he's not a great athlete. I think the biggest question with Nico is, is can he create his own shot against long NBA defenders? That'll be his biggest question. That's a big question because if he can't, he's not worth taking this high. So um, he's somebody I have right now at number, what did I say, number uh, eight. But I could also see him slipping later in in this draft. Um, We're going to see how efficiently he can execute um, at Arizona. But he he definitely has the full package skill set as a passer, as a scorer, as a shooter on and off the ball. Um, I think obviously defense will be a question for him uh, without much length. Um, but uh, I think Nico stands out right now as the safest pick at number eight, and he'd be a fun uh, backcourt teammate to pair with Shea. Number nine, I have the Minnesota Timberwolves. And I have him taking Teo Maladon, point guard from France, who unfortunately just hurt his shoulder and is out a month. Somebody I was looking forward to seeing a lot, uh, really a lot of success in FIBA tournaments and was about to get this nice role in EuroLeague until the shoulder injury happened. I think Chicago's point guard situation is probably one that they need to improve in terms of looking forward to the long term. 
Jared Culver, love that pick. I love what they did moving up to number six. I think he eventually surpasses Andrew Wiggins if he hasn't already on the team's priority value list. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll see how fast or if they can ever find a taker for Wiggins, assuming he doesn't change his identity and improve. But either way, uh, Maladon to the Timberwolves. You know, Tony Parker is the, the president of the team that he's on, Asbel. Um, and uh, that's just the type of guy, type of player that he is. He doesn't, he doesn't blow by you with speed. He doesn't pop off with explosiveness. But he's very poised, makes good decisions. He's decisive with his dribbles. He's uh, got a promising jump shot, defense potential, just inefficient. Um, I don't want to use the term game manager because I feel like that's what we use for uh, like the quarterback who can uh, you know, not win you games but just makes the right decisions. But uh, you know that's the type of guy he is. He's going to give you give you a shot to to have a good offensive possession every time. And um, he, despite missing these really fun athletic traits, uh, he's efficient. He you know he just maneuvers his body the right way um, to to execute as a driver, as a as a floater guy, as a pull up scorer. So I have Maldon right now at number nine. Hopefully he makes it back and re regains or re retakes that role that it looked like he had coming. And at number ten. The Atlanta Hawks, uh, I have them taking R.J. Barrett. Uh, R.J. Barrett. No, uh, I had them taking R.J. Barrett last year in the draft, uh, but uh, the Knicks took him first. R.J. Hampton going to the Hawks, playing for the New Zealand Breakers. Um, he's, his, his positives and negatives have popped uh, even this early. He looks great in Australia, um, and then he came for a couple preseason games. Um Two preseason games against NBA teams. Who was it? Memphis and uh, Oklahoma City. And he combined to shoot three of 19. And I think we saw some questions about his ability to separate. Um, maybe not as good of an athlete as he looks like when he's dunking uncontested. Um, but he's a very well-rounded player. 6'5", uh, has shot-creating skill, uh, has three-point range. And can be a secondary passer. Actually, he's playing some point guard right now. And I, I think more than anything else, his passing has popped to me. I, I always figured him as a uh, definite two guard. But he's showing some um, combo point guard skills here. And I think that creates a margin for error and really makes him a little bit more attractive. Even if he does, uh, even if he you know has some questions about how efficient he's going to be as a scorer. But anyway, after that game um, against NBA competition, he bounced back. Unfortunately, I'm recording this right before he's about to play LaMelo Ball really early in New York time, um, Friday morning. And that's a game that can kind of tip the scales for him in terms of draft stock. But uh, anyway, I have RJ Hampton um, going number 10 overall to the Hawks, who are just going to continue stockpiling assets and stockpiling win- wings. They already have uh, some good ones with Kevin Herter, Cam Reddish, who I uh, have some faith in. And uh, I guess DeAndre Hunter is not a wing, although I do think he's playing some small forward right now. Before we move on to the late lottery, I brought up Axios Sports earlier in the show. I want to bring them up again. Following a team you love in 2019 can be time-consuming. Trying to follow everything happening in sports is almost impossible. Scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis is impossible. That's why I subscribe to Axios Sports, the best free daily newsletter in the land. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox. When you sign up for free at sportsaxios.com, You'll get the best stories from the NBA and NFL to cricket and ping pong and everything in between. Axios Sports also highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. 
It's super simple to sign up and it's free. Sports.axios.com. Not only will you be caught up, you'll be the friend sharing an amazing link with your buddies. Join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up in the day before it even starts. And best of all, there's no paywall, no subscription fee, nothing. This is free curated sports content delivered directly to you. Sign up at sports.axios.com. Again, try it for free, sports.axios.com. Also, for all those out there who are trying to look sharp, Indochino was founded on the belief that you don't need to spend a fortune on a custom wardrobe. And trust me, when you get a custom-fitted suit or whatever, you look better. It's noticeable. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more, and everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. The best part is that they are affordable. Almost all of their custom clothing is under 400 bucks. The simple process is choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom or do it all online yourself at Indochino.com. Start your style upgrade now with 30 bucks off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Plus shipping is free. That's Indochino, I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com. Promo code BLUEWIRE for $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more. An incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothes that just don't fit. All right, back to the mock draft, and we're in the late lottery range um, at number 11 overall. Vegas has that team being the Sacramento Kings, and I have them taking freshman Isaac Okoro, combo forward, uh, from Auburn, who is going to pretty much fill the Chuma Okiki role. Okiki, the number 16 pick in the draft to the Magic. Uh, but he's got to improve his shooting. In the meantime, he's going to make uh, build his reputation and really strengthen it and create this whole uh, loving support system for his defense and his toughness. Uh, he is listed at 6'6", 225. He looks bigger than that. Um, and he is uh, not shy. He is uh, willing to, to bang down low. Um, and play physical defense and move around the perimeter. Um, just has a great timing and, and again, the, the physicality, the NBA body. And uh, He's not known for his offense yet, but we've seen flashes and glimpses of outside shooting and some post play. And I think if he shows enough of those glimpses, uh, a team like the Kings is going to fall in love uh, with this defensive-minded prospect who has room to improve offensively. Number 12, the Detroit Pistons. Uh, right now I have him taking point guard from France. Killian Hayes, who uh, honestly, I, you know, he, he's, he's on the verge of, of dropping. Um, he, he, he's exciting. He's a 6'3 point guard um, with, with flash. He, uh, he's a very good passer, a great playmaker, setup man. He can make these really impressive reads, facilitating. He's improved his shooting so far this year. Last year, he was 14 of 77 from behind the arc. Um, he's, he's off to a better start this year. Uh, but he's a little bit, um, I don't know what the right word is. I wouldn't say careless. He does turn the ball over. He does make some weird decisions. He's also really young um, and uh, playing in Euro Cup and playing in Germany right now. Um, you could see the potential, but you could also see why there's room to question it. And so we'll see. Right now, um, I have him at number 12. I kind of had him in this range to start the year. I don't want to 
let a couple of games really influence my opinion too much because at this point you got to value what he can do, and that's create easy shots for teammates and attack the basket. Um, and the signs of improved shooting um, are important and they're promising. But uh, in terms of impact, it just hasn't been there. And um, sometimes you kind of just scratch your head at some of uh, the plays he makes at both ends of the floor. But he's in the lottery conversation. Um, I'd say he has to play better for him not to drop in our next mock draft. Number 13, the New Orleans Pelicans. I'm taking Scotty Lewis from Florida. Uh, I, you know, I just love Scotty Lewis. Uh, another guy who I've seen a lot, both in person and on tape. Um, he is uh, a defensive-minded wing, super athletic, uh, great intangibles, vocal, um, uh, just a natural leader, uh, very intense when he defends and plays. We've seen flashes offensively of shot creation, of shot making. He's got you know, a crossover into a jumper. He, he's got some pull-up, um, hezzy jump shooting ability, um, and he can you know, get out in transition and put pressure on the rim and defenses. Uh, but he also takes some wild shots in the half court. And is he going to be strong enough to finish you know, inside the arc this year? I wouldn't be surprised if he is uh, inefficient um, with his scoring in terms of his field goal percentage, two-point percentage, even his three-point percentage is probably not going to be very good. Uh, but again, I think you're buying into the individual. You're buying into his ability to, to really uh, be a pesky perimeter defender. And then you're betting on his potential to improve offensively and become better at executing the offensive skills that he has in his bag, just hasn't really mastered. Number 14 of the Orlando Magic taking Tyrese Maxey. Uh, combo guard from Kentucky. I watched Kentucky's blue-white scrimmage. I thought he was, um, if not the best player, clearly the best prospect out there. Uh, 6'3", a little bit undersized for a guy who's probably a more naturally a shooting guard than he is a point guard. Made some nice passes, though. I think what stood out more again was the shot-making. Had a deep pull-up three. Had a fall away from the post. Um, and, and then had some nice uh, change-of-pace drives. He's just always been known as a natural scorer. And, and again, that's what he'll be known as in Kentucky. He'll play kind of the Malik Monk role, but probably more on-ball reps um, creating. And I think the big question with him, we'll see how his playmaking develops during his probable one year at Kentucky and uh, just how good of a scorer he could be at you know to compensate for the lack of size, uh, being a guy who's probably going to need to play next to a real point guard at the NBA level. Number 15, Precious Achua. Um, Memphis freshman combo forward has amazing tools, 6'9", 225, um, but uh, the skill set is pretty raw. He's probably going to struggle a bit to create shots and to make shots. Again, uh, Precious is somebody you, you look long-term um, and, and you like his skill, hopefully catching his physical tools and athleticism. He's got excellent tools for guarding multiple positions. You know, On paper, he makes a lot of sense. But uh, is the substance going to catch up? Is the skill level of polish ever going to be there? That will be the question. Um, to start the year, he starts off as a mid-first-round pick for me, uh, playing on a talented Memphis team, but a team that's going to be relying on, on freshmen. So we'll, we'll see what happens with the Chewy right now. Uh, mid-first-round guy for me going to Dallas. Number 16, Wendell Moore. Uh, Duke freshman. I guess I'm going to just call him a wing, whether he's a small forward or a shooting guard. Um, I, you know, he's not a big-time initiator, creator, so I think he's not going to be a combo guard, more of a, a combo wing, um, and, and has a really strong body, 6'6". Six, six. Um, creating shots, again, I think that's going to be his challenge, but he's going to be very, um, I think, efficient, executing as a driver, as a, a guy who can make floaters, as a guy who can make set jump shots. I think he's going to have nice sequences as a defender, as a rebounder. 
Um, but he doesn't have that exciting athletic pop to his game. And so I think that creates the perception that maybe he doesn't have great upside. But I think he's going to be a safe pick in this draft with the NBA body, uh, with um, natural scoring ability and strong defensive tools. So um, Wendell Moore, um, I have mid-first round, number 16 overall to San Antonio. Number 17, Miami Heat taking Trenton Watford. Freshman combo forward headed to LSU. He's there now. Um, uh, 6'9", likes to handle the ball in transition. Uh, probably better slashing than he is uh, at anything else, although obviously you know finishing around the basket, I think he'll be fine. I think the question with Wofford will be, you know, is he a, I hate to use the word tweener because that, that term is kind of extinct, but is he going to have enough uh, physical strength to play around the basket? And is he going to have, have enough perimeter skill to be a wing? So, you know, does he kind of get caught in between there without a, a natural position? Um, it doesn't bother me that much at this stage of the evaluation process. He's uh, an NBA talent to me, and, you know, we'll see how, how good of a shooter he could be. I think he just needs to be like an okay shooter uh, to go first round. At number 18, I have the Toronto Raptors taking Josh Green, a freshman from Arizona who's going to play some two, play some three, athletic, can do a lot of everything, doesn't do any one thing great except jump. Um, but, you know, he, he can be a versatile wing. He, he, he makes threes. Uh, he can slash in line drives. He can make, you know, really good passes. And he has nice sequences of defense. Um, right now, I think the biggest question is that he's not a great creator. Um, he's not really a reliable shooter. And uh, I think those two are pretty big questions that, way or cloud his uh, upside you know if he's not creating at a high level and he's not shooting at a high level well how good can he be but I think he's an NBA player um, maybe more of a, a role player but I think that's what we're looking at right now at number 18 you know efficiency will be big with him at Arizona consistency I think that'll determine how high or how far how, uh, how far he falls and goes in this draft number 19 Brooklyn Nets who get the pick from the Warriors I'm taking Jaden McDaniels, freshman at Washington. McDaniels is, you know, a couple of months ago would have been in the mix for number one overall, um, but conversations with, with scouts and just seeing him go through the All Star circuit, uh, he's a he's a talent over substance guy, and I think talent is going to keep him in the first round, assuming that um, it translates to enough production. But there's certainly going to be questions with him. Either way, let's talk about the positives because he is a six nine, highly skilled forward. Uh, you know, it reminds me, going through the process, remember Perry Jones, he was like 6'11", uh, and had that offensive wing skill set. That's the same thing with McDaniels. He could do some, you know, his highlights are amazing. His lowlights are like, all right, this guy doesn't make an impact on the game. And so uh, he, he's going to be in just another example of, let's see, the eye test looks good, but but the impact is inconsistent. The execution is inconsistent. Um, but uh, in terms of what he could do right now, which is what we're going to value at this point, um, athletic 6'9 forward who can handle the ball, who can step into pull-ups, uh, who can attack you off the dribble, who could score in the post, uh, just a versatile score with power forward size. But again, we'll see how efficient uh, and how impactful he'll be at Washington. Number 20, the Atlanta Hawks getting this pick from the Brooklyn Nets. I am taking Matthew Hurt, power forward from Duke. Hurt is uh, all skill and little athleticism. Um, 6'9", he's a 6'9 shooter at this point. 6'9 uh, shooter and passer, I think those are his two biggest um, projectable strengths. Uh, high IQ offensive player, but does he does he have 
the athleticism to get by guys? Does he have the strength to finish um, inside? Is he going to be a defensive presence around the basket? I think he's been pretty uh, okay in terms of sliding away from the basket and showing he can guard perimeter players. Um, and NBA teams are going to see a good fit. He checks those boxes as a, a stretch forward uh, who can shoot, who can attack off the dribble, and who can pass. But uh, we'll see how, you know, if, what, what it looks like in terms of his potential to execute against NBA athletes who are longer, stronger, uh, bouncier, all that. Number 21, Portland Trailblazers. I'm taking West Virginia freshman Oscar Shubway, who is just a, a monster inside. And I don't think, you know, everyone's going to question too much about his perimeter skill and whatnot and his fit in today's league. Uh, I think they're just going to look at a 6'9", 245-pound, um, just high-energy, uh, big-time athlete who, you know, makes the rim look like it's nine feet high sometimes. And uh, he's going to get West Virginia a, a ton of easy buckets, uh, both as a finisher, as an offensive rebounder, by running the floor, by just activating that motor and those tools and athleticism. And I think enough flashes of touch in that mid-range will convince teams that he's got enough offensive upside to take in the first round. Um, he'll be like a, a Montrez Harrell type of guy. Um, I'm trying to think of some other guys. You know, I don't think he's as skilled as, as Bam Adebayo was, but uh, that type of physical, big, inside guy um, who shows some signs of life with mid-range touch. That's freshman Oscar Shubway uh, going to West Virginia. At number, what are we up to, 22, Milwaukee Bucks via the Indiana Pacers, Obi Toppin from Dayton. I just watched a couple games from him just trying to catch up. Um, and man, tw- I have him at 22. Toppin is a, a big-time athlete, six foot eight, averaged 14.5 points last year. I don't know how he didn't get right to the combine. He averaged 14.5 points, Strong um, plays high above the rim, uh, but also knocked down 11 of 21 threes. I know that's not a lot, but uh, you know when he's got room to shoot, he looks pretty comfortable. And so I think we're going to see a lot more of that from Toppin this year. Uh, the game I watched was, uh, the last game I watched of his was Dayton's against Colorado in the NIT against Tyler Bay, who's also an intriguing prospect. But uh Toppin finished with 21 points on a couple threes where he just looked awfully smooth stepping in uh, to these casual shoot jumpers. And uh, some quick, you know, quick moves and some really coordinated finishes. I like Toppin uh, much more, actually. Now I've, I've watched more of him this summer than I guess I did last year because he wasn't generating a ton of buzz among scouts. Uh, he should have been. And uh, I think he's really going to help this 2000. 20 draft, who doesn't have a lot of standout returning players. I think he could be in the conversation for one of the best. At number 23, another uh, good return, another uh, potential breakout returning player. Um, 23, Boston Celtics. I'm taking Aaron Henry, uh, going uh, the sophomore from Michigan State. Last year in the NCAA tournament against LSU, one for 28 and 6. And we just found out that Josh Langford, um, Michigan State's potential big time. Uh, two-guard slash wing, is going to be out a couple of months with a foot problem. So Henry is going to get uh, a lot more touches and shots within the offense. Last year, it was mostly flashes of shot creation and some touch uh, out to the three-point arc. Um, and, and he's got 6'5 size, and now this year it's just taking it to another level, flashing uh, that those those moves to pull up. Um, some you know He had some nice uh, fallaways in that LSU game, um, some good threes, uh, just more of that. Uh, with the higher usage, I think will be enough to put him into that first-round mix. Uh, Aaron Henry, sophomore, Michigan State. 24, Lakers. I haven't taken Trey Jones at Duke. Uh, sophomore, who is going to be one of the most impactful players in college basketball. 
but I still have a lot of questions about his offensive upside. Having said that, uh, his passing defense, I think, is going to give him an NBA career as a backup point guard. Um, I don't think he is Fred Van Vliet, but that's like the type of guy who we kind of pictured Van Vliet coming out of college. I know Van Vliet wasn't drafted, but he was going to be viewed as like a defensive specialist, potential backup point guard. Um, and I think that's Trey Jones. I just don't see him making the jump with his jump shot uh, or with his two-point scoring ability, but I think we're getting picky if uh, we're not going to take him for that reason at 24 here uh, because I do think he's an NBA player and just a value uh, to your organization. I should say an asset to your organization, to your locker room, and to your rotation in certain spots against teams um, who have um, you know, one of those change of pace uh, backup point guards. Putting Trey Jones on him I think will be a nice, uh, nice plus. At number 25, Houston Rockets, Amar Silla, a big man from Senegal. Um, he's been off to a kind of a slow start this year. Uh, he's a, an obvious project. You know, he's, he's got a 7'3 wingspan. He's 6'9", big-time athlete, big finishes, shot blocking. Um, and then just over the years, glimpses of some ball handling, some touch, um, some confidence in his jumper. Um, just flashes here and there suggest that there's, there's more to unlock there. And he obviously has the NBA physical tools, so he'll be a project worth monitoring. I actually had him higher, uh, but he's off to a slow start this year playing in Belgium. But he's got that physical profile that just pops under the NBA lens, and that could be enough uh, to get him uh, workouts and looks. And then eventually in those workouts, he shows enough touch. I think that uh, that'll get him, um, that'll put him into the first round. Number 26, Oklahoma City Thunder via the Denver Nuggets. Jalen Smith, Maryland, power forward, sophomore. I think he uh, makes a jump this season. Last year was a little bit underwhelming. He actually was on my first round board at this time last year, uh, but wasn't consistent enough or, or dominant enough. He looks a lot bigger than he did last year. You know, his nickname is Sticks. They won't be calling him that this year. He has uh, clearly improved his body and... I think he's going to take his jump shot to another level. And uh, this guy who has a good motor around the basket, some nice touch around the basket, uh, taking his game out to that mid-range, out to the MB, out to the college art at least, uh, making threes I think is what unlocks his potential and, and gets him into this year's first round uh, as, a, as a stretch four who can also rebound for you. Uh, Utah Jazz at number 27, Vernon Carey Jr., Duke Center freshman, um, he's one of the most highly regarded high school prospects, but there's a lot of question about uh, Carrie's NBA fit being a very heavy 275-pounder, plays below the rim, and is a post player. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I bet your teams shy away from him just based on the way the NBA is going. Um, and if he, he's got to make some jump shots this year to show teams that he's got some stretch potential, and he did that. You know, last year as a high school player, it looked like he put more of an emphasis into his jump shot. Uh, but until he shows that he could be a plus shooter or plus defender, I think he's going to slip in this draft just because of um, his fit. But either way, he's going to be very productive for Duke, maybe their most productive uh, freshman in the lineup. Uh, but again, I think his stock slips into the late first round. Maybe a team gets a really good value pick because of it in Vernon Carey Jr. At number 28, the Brooklyn Nets get the 76ers pick. I have him taking A.J. Lawson, sophomore guard from South Carolina. Um, had a really strong summer playing with Canada at the U19s. Um, Average nearly 17 points for Canada. Uh, he's a big-time shot maker, uh, 6'6", uh, can shoot off movement, um, and, uh, and he's got some nice slashing ability. Uh, we'll just see you know, wh- where he takes his off-the-dribble game this year. Uh, can he be a little bit more consistent from downtown, get over 35%? 
um, and, and just generally make more of an impact, kind of carry South Carolina to some wins in conference play. Number 29, Los Angeles Clippers, Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, I'm a little bit lower in him than others. I know some probably have him as a lottery pick, particularly after this summer at the U19s for USA, where he shot lights out from three and, and continued to rack up steals. Uh, the scouts are going to love the, the defense, the two-way playmaking, the shooting, the steals, um, his, his defensive hands. He's got quick hands and a very good passer. I probably should have mentioned that before anything else. That's where his value will lie offensively with the ball. Very smart, high IQ passer. In fact, during the U19s, he had 48 assists to just eight turnovers um, and added 16 steals in those seven games. Uh, just a, a smart, high IQ guy who could shoot and defend, but if you cannot create off the dribble, I think that's a problem. He's not very athletic. He was like a complete non-threat as a scorer inside the arc last year, and I think that raises questions again about his upside, his fit in the NBA, but clearly worth a, a shot in the late first round, and I wouldn't be surprised um, if my final mock draft has him going a lot higher than this. Somebody's going to like him more than I do. Uh, and the last pick of the first round, Boston Celtics get it from the Bucks. Khalil Whitney, Kentucky... Uh, wing may play some power forward this year. Uh, freshman, he is a, a certainly a first round talent, but uh, you know, kind of reminds me of Hamadou Diallo. Diallo was obviously a first round talent too, but he didn't have the substance uh, to, to back it up, and, and you couldn't feel his impact. Even though the uh, the scouting lens loves his physical tools, his six six or whatever six seven size. I think it's six six. The athleticism, uh, the ability to make threes, the ability to slash. Um, but uh, I don't think he's got a great deal of uh, skill level in, in the shot creation department. I don't think he's got a great feel for the game and the decision-making department. I think teams grow somewhat frustrated with him, even though they will see him as a uh, first-round talent, maybe kind of the same way Keldon Johnson last year went went all the way at the end of the first round, um, just because it's kind of hard to see a wing who doesn't create at a high level, doesn't shoot um, at, at the highest level. Those are question marks, but talent gets... Uh, Khalil Whitney, uh, first-round looks this year, assuming he does stay in the 2020 draft. I wouldn't be surprised if there are questions about whether he should return um, after this season um, to be a, a breakout sophomore. That's just kind of how I envision it working out for Whitney. Anyway, that's who I have as my projected first round. Some other guys who just missed the cut, uh, but who I did consider putting in there. Um, let's see, I had... Devon Dotson maybe is a, is a late first round uh, pick and kind of like a Tyus Jones point guard. Um, and Aaron Wiggins from Maryland is somebody who I think could potentially break out. I, I really like his shot making. Ashton Higgins from Kentucky. Uh, you know, I love his defense, love his attacking and, and some passing potential, but I don't know about his shooting. That'll be a big question mark. Cassius Winston, I think, is a guy who's maybe a national player of the year. And because of it, I think there'll be some. NBA interest in him as a potential backup. Uh, I think he is uh, not only just a good basketball player, but a guy who has a, a, a chance at the next level. Charles Bassey, Western Kentucky, came back for a sophomore year. I was impressed. I thought he was sure to leave. Um, he should he should uh, probably improve his stock a little bit, but he's got to make more jump shots, got to make more of an impact in general. And uh, who else? Uh, Sam Williamson, Samuel Williamson, freshman in Louisville. Really interesting um uh, wing score. He's going to remind a lot of people people of, of Jason Tatum. I think just based on the way they look, honestly, it plays a big role in that. But also another advanced shot creator uh, inside the arc. And so uh, 
I don't I don't really think he's going to be productive or consistent enough to generate first round buzz this year. But he's somebody worth paying attention to. Uh, anyway, that'll do it. So uh, I'm actually on vacation next week, and I will reappear hopefully with a guest to start college basketball season, which is in two weeks. So um, enjoy the first week of the NBA season, and we will be back soon with some actual college basketball analysis.